Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about State of Origin. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. A big shout out to all the Queenslanders who must be basking in Schadenfreude after their win in State of Origin 1. And of course, a big shout out to the best friend of the podcast, Owen, who tells me he thinks Queensland will win Game 2 by a scoreline of 49-39. to To discuss how likely that incredibly unlikely scoreline is, we have Miles Devon and Kieran Gibson joining me for this episode as we look ahead to Game 2 of the Men's Origin to be played in Sydney on Wednesday night, and briefly to the Women's Origin to be played on the Sunshine Coast on Friday evening. Miles, I'll go to you first, because you are our resident New South Wales fan. Uh, We all predicted, with our heads at least, we all predicted New South Wales victories for Game 1. I think most pundits... With a, with a rugby league brain also did. Uh, some were wary of a, of a Queensland ambush, but I have to be honest, well, I'll ask you to be honest, did you see that coming? No, I didn't. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone did, as you sort of alluded to. And I, I think it it's pulled the curtain back on a lot of the problems with the New South Wales team and the New South Wales rugby league at large and, and also some of the players that play for the Blues. So... Um, it's it's interesting, really. It, all, all it's really taken for Queensland to flip the switch from a what looked like a dying breed a few years ago to now all of a sudden totally revitalised as a, a good coach, and that's Wayne Bennett. And who knows what that says about Brad Fittler? We'll get a bit, a bit into that later in the show. But yeah, it's it's a real it's a real scary proposition for New South Wales, I think, given that just a few years ago they probably thought they were a lock for a, a few in a row. And Kieran, as a as a as a Queensland fan, uh, you'll remember State of Origin game one last year. Again, we were underdogs. They got the chocolates in game one last year. They've done the same this year. Are you feeling pretty confident heading into game two, or are we still being optimist? Uh, sorry, a bit uh, cautious about about the rest of the series. Um, this is going to sound a bit. Uh maybe contradictory i think game two will be very close um well i i think new south wales will win in a close one but i do think queensland will take out the series but given given the game will be close and its origin anything can happen so i'm optimistic is the answer um i think queensland can win uh, whether they win game two or three i don't know but I, I think we'll win one of them um so yeah i'm definitely optimistic i did not see game one's performance coming at all um, I agreed with Andrew Johns on, on on air when he said, um, I just can't see New South Wales losing this one. I couldn't see Queensland winning. Um, even at half... Well, at half time, actually, I, I was um, a bit more confident uh, given the way we, we hung in there. Um, but yeah, it was a superb win and, and great to see. For those that are listening to this, rugby, this extremely niche rugby league podcast and did not see the State of Origin game, uh, so that's obviously very few people, uh, New South Wales got out to a 10-0 lead after an early uh, onslaught from the Maroons that didn't yield any points, including a missed, conversion, a missed penalty from Cherry Evans, rather. Uh, New South Wales marched their way downfield, scored a couple of tries. They certainly had the advantage in the first half with the wind and I think people maybe underestimated that a little bit but the Maroons looked a little bit uh, deer in headlights uh, the Blues also weren't really at their best um, and I remember saying in our group chat gentlemen like imagine if Tedesco starts playing well or imagine if 
you know, the Blues start playing well. And Miles, you said, imagine if the back line at all starts playing well, you know. Uh, and it, it was a bit like that. <laughs> no, it did, it did not get better. The, uh, Queensland uh, made them look a little bit silly with a bunch of guys that barely hold their place in first grade on some occasions, uh, which I'm sure we will get to in our top three players for each team. Uh, but yeah, Queensland just over overran them with, with uh, control and possession and a kicking game. And all the things that we expected New South Wales to be stronger at with the likes of Cleary and Keary in their halves. Uh, so we will very quickly uh, jump into our, our top three players from each team because at the end of the series, we're going to have a player of the series from each side as chosen by Above the Horizontal. Uh, it's a 3-2-1 voting system uh, and it's fully transparent, so it won't be hard to work out who, uh, who wins in the end. Uh, and then we're going to dive into the changes ahead of game two and whether or not they are good changes. But before we do that, Miles, if I can start with you, we might go with uh, three, two, one, and we'll start with your person who gets your three votes. Now, New South Wales, slim pickings. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree after a, a torrid effort from a lot of them. Uh, who are you looking at to give three points to for the New South Wales? Well, for me, it was pretty easy. I think there was probably, in fact, there's probably only three good players in the New South Wales ranks. And I'd say the best of them was probably Josh Adokar. Obviously, scored two tries, probably kept two more out as well, and was probably mm. the team's best. I'd say, yeah, it's it, Tedesco was all right as well, I guess, but. Really, looking at it properly across the back line, there was no other, really no other good or, or standout backs apart from Josh Adokar. I'd say the rest of them probably failed uh, the assignment they were given. So Josh Adokar gets three points. Uh, a bit of a Dane Gagai-esque performance, really. Uh, it's unusual for a winger to get the the maximum amount of votes in a in a state of origin game or any game really and I know that you're not a fan of wingers generally uh, so that's <laughs> very big of you uh, who gets who's the second best player for New South Wales who gets two points well admittedly I'd kind of uh, as I said I'd kind of just chosen three really but if if I'm forced to pick between the two that I've the other two I've got written down I'd say that. Uh, the player who played most above their expectations to me was probably Jake Trebojevic. He, he's not had a great year. We, we know that. And uh, I said, uh, I can't remember if it was actually on the show or or just offline to you guys. I don't think he should have been in the team, Jake. But he, he I'm glad to see him prove me wrong. If anything, the Blues probably should have sent more ball his way at, at second receiver or maybe even first receiver, given especially given how poor the halves were. He seemed to be, the, I guess, the dominant playmaker of the team, if you will. He... Whenever the ball was in his hands, the most seemed to happen for the Blues, and they—I think—they really missed a trick, not getting him as much ball as they should have. He actually would have played more minutes than initially planned as well, considering that Cameron Murray came and went, just mm, making true. the one tackle. Um, yeah, uh, Turbo's the kind of guy that you expect a seven out of ten performance every game, uh, and that's the kind of performance that New South Wales needed while Queensland were doing what they did. Who gets your uh, consolatory one point? Well, I, I say um, Trebojevic played probably greater above my expectations than this player, but I was absolutely thrilled to see him play as well as he did, and that's Daniel Safidi. He was... Mm. 
maybe even a touch better than Dubrovic. I'm not sure, but uh, he was fantastic, uh, especially in his first spell. And if anything, when he went off, the Blues started to lose some composure and and go forward. He he was he was in the midst of everything that New South Wales did well in the second half as well, which was sadly wasn't very much, but. Uh, look, I guess if if Blues fans want to take any from anything from this game, they've got two leaders there in the pack who really stood up. They're a similar age, and and hopefully they kind of go on with it as the leaders of the Blues pack. Because as we'll uh, get to later on, I, I thought the forward pack was bitterly, bitterly disappointing, and there was very few there who didn't look like they were going through the motions. With Saifidi being picked. Uh, last year, I think it was, for his debut series, I believe. Uh, I, I thought it was a little bit out of the blue. Um, I, I don't... I didn't... I wasn't really convinced at that time that he had earned it uh, over some of the players that he jumped on top of and over. But he's since proven me wrong. And he's, he looks like the kind of guy that could absolutely be a, a 20-plus origin player for New South Wales uh, here for the next seven or eight seasons. Uh, and had did have a tremendous game. He would have probably got my man of the match... For New South Wales, uh, actually, um, you know, obviously there was probably like five or six Queenslanders in front of him, but uh, New South Wales, I thought he had a really good game. I, I agree with all three of those picks. Very well done. Uh, I'll look forward to you absolutely bagging out the next 14 blokes, uh, maybe on the exception of Cameron Murray, who doesn't deserve it. <laughs> uh, let's talk to Queensland. So, Kieran, uh, you're in charge of picking three players for Queensland, uh, which is actually uh, quite a tricky thing considering how well a lot of them played. Who have you given three points to? I've given three points to, and this this person just stood out for me amongst um, a superb uh, Maroon squad, but I've given it to Cameron Munster, who kicked for 490 metres. He scored the differentiating try and was just a constant menace of Queensland in attack. I thought there was a, a point in the second half um, where we were just building momentum. We came out with a, a completely a simplified game plan where we were just trying to get through our sets and kick the ball down and keep New South Wales in their half. And he threw, um, at the end of our set on fifth tackle, he threw an inside ball for Kafusi, And it, mm. was, it looked like a rush of blood to me. Um, it didn't seem like the right play at that time of the game. We weren't we didn't need to panic into like a, a play like that. And anyway, um, he never went into his shell. He just kept attacking. Um, he knew the quality that he has, um, and he played to his strengths and played brilliantly. I, I had to give it to him purely for his kicking. I thought his kicking was incredible. Yeah, it's interesting that like because Cherry Evans has such a great kicking game. Uh, they they kept going to that left side, that left side, and I, I wondered if that was uh, a way to try and minimize uh, Adokar with his kick returns a little bit, like, you know, for the second or third play, um, sort of blunt him a little bit, uh, also target him in the air as opposed to targeting Tupo in the air. Um, or, or maybe they just wanted to just go to Munster. Munster was the guy that was going to break the game, and uh, and according mm. to you, he did. Who was his best mate? Who was the one that you're going to give two points to? Uh, I have to give it to uh, Dane Gagai, who as always, um, stood up once again in origin. And uh, possibly if he represented the North Queensland Cowboys, given the Queensland in the name, he would perform for them as he does in origin. If he's looking <laughs> for an, uh, an Australian jersey next year, maybe he should, he should then sign for the Cowboys. But he was superb. Um, gave Whiten headaches all night uh, with the Deliam winner missing eight tackles and uh, obviously set up that brilliant try for Coates. And I, I thought 
uh, Gagai had stuffed it up when he threw the uh, the dummy and kept running. I thought, oh, geez, there's a, a lot of Blues players around and he could easily stuff this up, but he stayed composed and brilliantly um, set up Copes. Yeah, it was actually the right play because if he threw it on the inside too, I think it was Cherry Evans that was coming up yeah. on the inside. Uh, I think Cook had Cherry Evans. So uh, it, it was the right play. And while you say that, it's, it's interesting. I don't know whether it's the Queensland name or whether it's the maroon <laughs> in his jersey that makes him play so well. But it could be a matter of moving to the Cowboys for the North Queensland. It could be a matter of moving to Manly to get some maroon into his jersey. Uh, <laughs> but either or, he could be a world beater week in, week out. Uh, and who gets your one vote? Um, this is very tough. There's a, a lot of stands out, uh, stand out, sorry. And I, I very nearly gave it to AJ Brimson, who I thought was um, outstanding on, on debut. And honestly, an honor, honorable mention to most of the Maroon squad. Um, but I've given it to Tino Fa'asua Malaawi, um, oh, who, who, who in yeah, 50 but... minutes, thank you, bent the line for yeah. 128 meters, made two tackle breaks and 26 tackles. Um, I really thought his first stint was brilliant. Uh, we haven't seen a lot. He's been coming off the bench for the Storm, so I wasn't sure how he'd go. Um, and I think you said that last week, Bo, how he'd go starting um, in the Origin Arena, no less. Um, but I thought his first stint was brilliant. He really got us on the front foot, and uh, he didn't take the foot off the off the pedal when he got back on in the second half as well. Um, so... Kieran, you, you, you've heard what, what Miles, who he gave it to, Adokar, Turbo, Siafiti. Uh, were there any other New South Wales players that, that you can think of that, that you would uh, give some credit to? Or was it was it pretty dour out there for them, do you think? Um, I did think Boyd Cordner and Tedesco were okay with their running games. They were definitely trying. Um, but, I yeah, I would probably have to agree with... Uh, Miles list, although I think I would have given um, Saifiti possibly even the three votes. I thought he was superb. Mm. And same question to you, Miles. Uh, Kieran's chosen Munster, Gagai, and Fasua Maliawi. Is there anyone else that you really caught your eye for Queensland? Yeah, I, if not for uh, Fasua Maliawi, uh, I think that's two of us have gotten it right now. <laughs> I probably I agree with Kieran. I would have probably given it to AJ Brimson. He was he he played himself into the game so well. He, he didn't exactly stand out in the first half, apart from that well taken try, which was uh, let, let's be honest, a, a bit of a lucky bounce there. But he's he was just another of those players who seemed to get better as the game wore on, and that's a obviously a fantastic quality to have, not only in your fullback but in any of your players in a state of origin team. So. He was he was brilliant for me, and it, it's gonna um, hell, it's gonna give the the Maroons real headaches when Caelan Pong is eligible again because one of those players is gonna have to play on the wing. Yeah, or not at all. Maybe off the bench. Or not at all. Yeah, uh, which is which is scary. I think both of them have some utility value, but then what do you do with Ben Hunt, who's been really really good uh, in a Maroons jersey for a couple of years now? Uh, it, it's a, you're right. It's a good headache to have. Um, does does one of them play in the centres? But then you've got Kurt Capewell apparently <laughs> at left centre. Um, I will say this: uh, I was actually quite surprised, Kieran, that you that you didn't go with uh, Kurt Capewell, but. Um, if, if memory serves, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, Kurt Capewell did not have that good a first half. He was found out a couple of times in defense, uh, but he did have 
a really good half an hour or so in the second half where he saved a try from a bomb and, and made a really key tackle um, on Gutherson, I think it was, uh, in the New South Wales half that absolutely smacked him. And of course, that try that he set up for Brimson, which was the biggest of don't argues, to Mr. Gutherson, who retains his place in the at the right centre role, which leads us to the big question... Are you happy with the changes made to your side for Game 2 in the men's state of origin? So to uh, briefly discuss some of those changes, obviously Boyd Cordner is out. He uh, is the left back rower for New South Wales and their captain. He mysteriously was passed fit to return to the game after a head injury assessment, but has since been ruled out for the remainder of the series with the same head injury. So I find that a little bit curious, particularly with his history. He probably should have missed the remainder of the game, and considering they lost it, uh, it seemed like a risk not worth taking. Boy Corner will be out for the rest of the series, which means that James Tedesco is the captain uh, for the first time in his career at any level uh, of professional rugby league, which is uh, huge congratulations to him. Uh, Luke Keary has been dropped from 5'8", and Cameron Murray is injured from the bench. So what's happened is Angus Crichton has moved into the back row to replace Boyd Cordner. Cody Walker has moved into 5'8", to replace Luke Keary. And there are three new spaces on the bench, and they belong to Dale Finucane, to Nathan Brown, and to Isaiah Yeo. So that's Brown and Yeo making their debuts. Congratulations to them as well. Miles, I expect that you'll have plenty to say about this team. Are you happy with the changes your side has made? Uh, no. <laughs> I, as I kind of alluded to you, there's not been any changes made. The, the team that's going to play the most of the game is, is still all there, except for Luke Keary, who's been scapegoated for... Uh, the rest of the team's problems and Cody Walker's been thrown in there. Yeah, he was all right towards the back end of the game, but um, yeah, we could go on about this forever. But if it were up to me, it would be time to unleash hell on this team. I've I've put together a little bit of a thirteen here that I think could make a fist of it. So I'm going to go with uh, and I'll rattle on off quickly and then sort of explain my changes later on. I've, I've gone with James Tedesco, Alex Johnson, Nick Kotrick, David Nofaluma, Josh Adokar, Jerome Luai, Adam Reynolds, Jake Trebojevic, Damian Cook, Daniel Safidi, Dale Finucane, Tyson Frizzell, and Wade Graham as my 13. Uh, I just think that that last team that we saw was not only too young, but they were all going through the motions, and without, with the exception of the three players that I listed. And the, the problem with that is that uh, Nathan Cleary too was was sitting back and, and sort of watching and, and wanting to bring his teammates into the game like he does at club level but was unable to do so because surprise surprise Brad Fittler hasn't put that game plan together he, he's been on record several times saying that he thinks that Origin should basically be felt and not um, scripted or, or anything like that yeah well that's all well and good but that's not what your playmaker needs that might be your aspirations to see how the game is watched but your playmaker needs to have that put around you. It's, it's. I think it through six or seven games or however many um, Cleary's played now, it, it's clear that he's not going to take the game on yet or he's, he's maybe a little, a, a little bit too green or a little bit too scared to take the game on at this level. So if you want him to bring his teammates in the game like he does at club level so well, he needs to have good teammates who are prepared to do that around him. And 
the rest of the team was just far too young. And I've certainly gone for an older team here with um, the likes of Johnston and, and Nofaluma and Kotrix, who's been capped a few times. Uh, of course, in the in the forwards as well, Wade Graham, Dalfinukin, who's mercifully going to be playing this game. And in the halves, I've got Adam Reynolds, who I, I, I just think that he plays a little bit more of a confident and, and more natural game and he hasn't played any bad state of origins either they were a few years ago now but they were all well taken games jerome luai are a risk in the halves i admit but I, I like him and i think he'd play well and that would be my 13 to take on um queensland and honestly i i just don't think this i don't know guys i don't think this team's I don't see how the, the, the lack of changes is, is going to bring about anything different unless Brad Fittler's come up with this game-winning plan in seven days. To play devil's advocate, do you see the uh, the benefit of... Look, you've got you know Jack White and M player of the year, uh, played pretty well in the centres last year for New South Wales. Clint Gutherson was very close to M player of the year, Parramatta captain, big game well, you know, a player that always seems to turn up. Uh, Tupo's won premierships. Uh, Cody Walker has been in sensational form in 2020. So has Nathan Cleary. There's a bunch of guys there that are in good form in clubland or have experience at state of origin level, like your Jake Turbos and your Tyson Frizzells. Do you see the benefit of having these guys get beaten and giving them another chance to lift their game? No. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I, no one in poor form in Clubland gets selected, barring a few uh, Ricky Stewart coach Blues teams from a few years ago, um, basically through necessity as well. And I, I don't. I'm just not a believer in. Oh, they'll they'll play better next game, or you know, oh they'll they'll work it out because I, I think it's been proven with many different state of origin players who have tried and failed. It it doesn't happen. Like we expected that from 25 30 games from Mitchell Pearson it never happened so yes maybe some of them will turn sunny side up I, I certainly expect a guy like Clint Gutherson too more on that later but um I, I also don't think that some of them some of them probably won't some of them will continue to turn out bad performances like Nathan Cleary and continue to be selected or, or get dumped and I just don't think that Brad Fittler is is quite smart enough to um, coach these guys into a good performance like maybe Wayne Bennett is. Speaking of tactics, I'm looking at the makeup of the side. So last week we discussed uh, the idea that Cody Walker is a straight up 5'8". Like at club level, that's all he plays. 5'8", 5'8", 5'8". And then he's been put on the bench for New South Wales and he's been brought on with a, Ro- a Roman commission uh, for the last 20 minutes to try and summon a game out of nowhere. Uh, help set up one try and suddenly he's the starting 5 8 uh, it, And I asked you at the time, did you think that what they were going to do tactically there? And, and you said, look, hopefully they don't need to use him. Like, hopefully he's just there for injury cover, whatever, whatever. Now, fast forward a week, they've completely scrapped the idea of the utility. Pappenhausen apparently wasn't available, but they do have Cameron McGuinness available uh, who could fill that utility role. They've gone with three club locks, and a front rower on the bench. Fanukin, Junior Paulo, who has been demoted to the bench with Payne Haas promoted, Nathan Brown, and Isaiah Yeo. Tactically speaking, what do you what do you think Freddie Fittler is thinking there? 
Well, as I sort of, I mean, I'm not sure who's going to come on and when and what position exactly they're going to come into. But as I sort of alluded to, I don't think Freddie knows either. He he rightfully believes that football games have a heartbeat, and they do, and they're not played on the selection sheet, and they're not. But that may, that doesn't mean that what's on the selection sheet can make no sense whatsoever. And thus far, <laughs> Brad Fittler's selection sheets have made no sense whatsoever. And he hasn't put the, the structures around this team to succeed in the in the image that he wants them to succeed. You can't just say, oh, go out there and throw the footy around and we'll, we'll probably beat this mob because, well, we did that game one this year and we didn't win. We did that game one last year and we didn't win. We did that game three last year and we almost didn't win. So mm. I think that not enough spotlight has been put on the fact that Brad Fittler has won one series, almost lost another, and is losing this one. And we will certainly come to that in a moment, which I think you're actually going to quite like my controversial take by the sounds of it. But let's let's put that on ice just for a moment, and we'll jump over to the Maroons. I'm going to try and say that word correctly from now on. Um, Kieran, if we can just discuss the changes that have happened for the Maroons, Alexander Brimson, or AJ Brimson, of course, uh, is unavailable with injury, which is a real shame because, as you said, he was really quite good. Christian Welch, also unavailable with injury. He was also quite good. Cohen Hess has, is unavailable through uh, poor form. So, <laughs> so um, through just being having better options with respect to Cohen, uh, he he didn't do a lot out there in the last game, and Jaden Sewer I thought had a had more impact. So what's happened is they brought Valentine Holmes, who's back from suspension, and put him straight in the fullback. That sort of saves a headache, um, which would have presented because I don't think he could have moved Brimson, so he would have been dropping Coates or Sammy. Uh, Kurt Capewell has been named at centre, but uh, reports are saying that he is unlikely to play with an injury. Uh, Brenko Lee is firming as a good chance of playing if that happens, and then Gagai would switch probably back to left centre while Brenko plays on the right. Uh, to replace Ke- uh, Christian Welch, they've got Dynamis Louis uh, into the front row, which is a very interesting selection. Um, but he seems to work quite well with Papali'i at club level, so we'll see how that goes. And as I alluded to, Cohen has been dropped completely, which means that Jaden Sewer has moved into the starting side on the on the left edge, I would imagine, which is a good sign, I think. Uh, and then they also have Mo Fatuaika coming in on the interchange bench, uh, which I was surprised to see him not in the in the first game. So. Uh, Kieran, the question I ask you is, are you happy with the changes Queensland has made? I am, yes. And we don't have a a whole lot of depth, so we didn't have a whole lot of choice either. But I'm glad to see that Philip Sammy uh, keeps his spot. We do have Corey Allen and Edric Lee and uh, I think Branko Lee, who could all possibly take his spot. Um, But I'm glad to see he keeps his his position there. He came up with a a really good try-saver on Josh Edokar in the second half when New South Wales were coming for us. Mm. Um, That could have swung the game completely if if, uh, Edokar had gone over there. So I'm glad to see he keeps his spot. Valentine Holmes had to come in at at fullback. Dynamis Louie in the front row is uh, quite interesting. I I have checked out his stats, and he does average 91 metres a game for the Raiders, which is, if you're doing that in origin, that's not too bad. Um, I think that's just about a pass. 
Um, but I, I do kind of question it. Um, I, I don't know if he's a bench player. That's probably why he's, he's starting. Uh, um, but I still don't know. You have Lindsay Collins, Jai Arrow, who were both terrific in that first match. I, I think I'd much rather their punch um, straight away um, for game two. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. He's got a few trick shots up his sleeve, Dynamis Louis. He's got an offload. He can strip the ball and does do it quite often for the Raiders, who are known for that. And uh, Jaden Sua at second row, as we said, that was that just had to happen. Um, it's the right choice. He, he nearly set up Gagai in the, I think, second half as well. Um, which would have sealed the game, yeah. So I think that that's um, they're all the the right changes, and I'm glad they've been made. I I want to ask you uh, to sort of question without notice. How do you feel about New South Wales's changes? Um. Well, I I'm in a. I've spoken about it before. Um, in with a group of guys in a, a tipping comp. It's over now. But um, there's been a, a lot of chat going around um, about why Whiten isn't playing um, number six uh, in the five-eighth role, um, and mm. we were. I think one of my mates actually said he'll eat his own shit and clap and eat his own shit if uh, if Whiten isn't selected at six. He just he could not believe that it wouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, he's he's still been picked there for this game too. If he's not in game three, um, my friend's got uh, not a nice thing coming up for him. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I would have put Whiten at six as well. I think I I don't understand that he's the the reigning Delium um, player, and you've got Lomax. Whilst they're youngsters, Crichton um, and Lomax, they are out and out centers, and they are the kind of players. I know I said Queensland don't have a lot of depth, but I, I think that Queensland would pick them regardless um, at centre, even if we did have a bit more depth. They're quality players. Um, so I, I, th- I do question that a little bit, why Whiten's not at six and why they haven't uh, picked at least one specialist centre. Um, that's a bit uh, peculiar to me. But actually, Tupo, uh, I think Kotrick is a, an out-and-out um, origin player with his tackle breaks and the way he carries the ball back. I possibly Tupo didn't get utilized enough and maybe that's because of what Miles was alluding to with the the lack of game plan they didn't kick to Tupo once I don't think from memory mm-hmm. uh, yeah uh, it was astonishing for a guy of his height and the way he scored tries this season that's probably an odd choice they've decided to stick with him which makes me think that maybe they, they're gonna go that way does the responsibility to execute that game plan I mean surely it was in their discussions and part of the reason they chose Tupo uh, does the lack of execution of that game plan and fall to uh, Nathan Cleary? I'm going to throw this one to you, Miles. Uh, do you hold someone like Cleary responsible for not executing that plan? Well, I've, I mean, I've said this a few times, but I didn't think there was a plan. I, Yes, if Cleary's been tasked with going out there to do what he does best and, and that's it, and that's the... The words he gets from his coach and following a tap on the bum and, and go out there and play well then yes it is because he's his kicking game is by far his his best asset if you can choose just one and he used it to put up a few midfield bombs and that's it and there's so much more to his kicking game and, and any modern kicking game these days so i don't know why we didn't see more targeting of, of guys like sammy and Coates who are new to origin on the wing or or targeting Daniel Tupo as a, a big, tall kid, or and I think we saw this once, but a kick in behind the line for Josh Adokar, who's just about the, the maybe even the fastest man in Australia. Mm. It it just lacked any sort of 
uh, take the game on. It, I think, arrogantly, I think it, I think Brad Fittler might have thought that Queensland were not going to be good enough to win the game and were, were going to lose it through defensive mistakes. And they almost did in the first half, but, hell, they got it together and they were good enough to win the game and it made Fittler look like an idiot. With, with the changes that Queensland have made, Miles... Do you, you think they're good enough to win game two? Is are you are you thinking their changes were good ones? Oh, absolutely. I mean, well, uh, their changes were mostly brought on by necessity. I think, yeah, as you say, yes, Hess was bad and probably shouldn't play Origin again or at least have a a little bit of a spell. But I, I don't think Queensland need to make all that many changes, really. Um, I, I would say the one thing I would say just to add something is that maybe. You can move Kurt Capewell back to the, the back row. I don't think you can expect that fantastic a game out of him twice in a row in a position he doesn't play. So maybe you could uh, give Brenko a lead run and then move Kurt Capewell to 11 or 12 or alongside Sewer or Kafusi. Mm. But, but then again, who do you move out of that? So, yeah, it, it's all very interesting times. But, yeah, Queensland, I don't think had to make any changes. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Um, one thing, one thing that I'm noticing, and uh, if I'm Queensland, I have looked at the fact that New South Wales had two guys capable of being chief playmakers in Nathan Cleary and Luke Keary, who both like to take charge of a kicking game, uh, and they they both have that ability. Um, which gave Queensland two targets on fourth or fifth tackles to really target at. With Cody Walker coming in, his kicking game not quite as prominent as Luke Keery's. Tedesco doesn't have one. Cook rarely uses his. It really solely falls to Nathan Cleary here, uh, which means there's even more pressure on him. I heard during the week that he's been elevated to vice-captain of the side, which is an indication of where Brad Fittler is at um, with his loyalty to Cleary. Uh, and they've basically just given him the team here, uh, which is what happened at the Panthers uh, when Maloney moved on and, and the team uh, improved exponentially at that point. Uh, Kieran, do you think Nathan Cleary has what it takes to be this sole playmaker of a state of origin side? Um, well. I, I do agree a lot with what Miles said about uh, you have to be in form and you can't just say, oh, the next game and then the next game. And We did see that with Mitch, Mitchell Pierce um, and, and Cleary to date, I don't know how many um, Origin matches he's played, I think six or seven, but he, he hasn't, as we discussed last week as well, really turned in a, a, a good, for even a solid performance that you'd give a pass, I have to say. Like, um, yes, his defense has been good and... He's not tried to overplay his hand, but uh, he needs to inject himself a lot more. Um, that kick that we touched on for Ado Carr, um, the wind took it and, and blew it way too far, and he looked to go into it. Well, he was—he already looked like he was in his shell. I mean, that kick was on. Um, I think that's like if that kick was only maybe a twenty percent chance of being on. I don't know if he would have gone for it. That's the sort of mindset he seems to have in Origin. He's not ready to take those risky plays. Um, that that he kind of pulled off for the Panthers throughout the 2020 season. He, he came up with some really freakish good plays. His running game was great, um, and he doesn't seem to be able to bring that to origin, uh, and I don't know how much longer I would uh, I would trust to leave, uh, have patience in him to bring it out. And, and as Miles said on Adam Reynolds as well, I think he's a, a more confident player. Um, his kicking game, as good as Cleary's is, his kicking game is more accomplished. Um, I think 
possibly it is time to change to Adam Reynolds. Of course, they can't do it this series because of the whole bubble situation. Uh, but uh, for future reference, maybe particularly if they don't win the series. And as you say, Nathan Cleary, not the kind of player at this level to overplay his hand. But he does need to at least play his hand. Uh, and he, he doesn't seem to do that. Uh, Cameron Munster, Daily Chair Evans, no such issues there. Uh, so yes, it's it's not looking fantastic for the Blues. Although you would still say that on paper pound for pound the blues have a better lineup or at least i would say that they certainly more have talented. yeah more talented absolutely but do they have as you've alluded to a number of times miles the game plan to get the job done or even a game plan at all and a lot of the responsibility has to fall to their coach brad fitler one of the great players brad fitler one of the absolute best that i've ever seen he'd certainly be in the top 10 but if New South, New South Wales loses this series to this Queensland squad, I, I emphasise that particularly because this Queensland squad has, is not a strong squad. Fittler is done as a coach at this level, but also at NRL level. Does anyone care to change my mind on that? I'll start with you, Kieran. Uh, I, I don't think he's done, no, if he, if he loses this series. Um... Um, the Origin Arena is the most fierce and competitive form of rugby league competition in the world. Um, and whilst Fittler does have a, an inclination to only go to the beat of his own drum, I can't see his coaching days, at least at Origin level, being numbered just yet. Um, his sometimes unorthodox, unorthodox methods have caused uproar with the Blues faithful. However, he has wrestled back the shield for New South Wales the last two series in a row, um, stopping Queensland 11 series wins in 12 years. Um, and if New South Wales win this series, they will just for the third time in their history win three series in a row. Uh, do his selections raise eyebrows? Even for Queensland fans, the answer is yes. Um, as I touched on before, the non-selection of Jack White at, at 5'8 caused much confusion amongst some close Queensland friends. Um, the reigning Delhi M player playing centre uh, to accommodate the likes of Kiri, who's not even playing anymore. That's probably the most peculiar thing that he picked Kiri for one game, gave him one chance, and now Walker is in at six. Um, although I know it's an, an extended squad, 27 players, you've got that a bit more room for experimenting, I guess. Um, maybe that's his thinking, but even then I, I don't really understand it. Um, whilst I do believe this is a series that needs to be won by New South Wales, given the riches of talent at, the, at their disposal, New South Wales can even, without going on a long run of series wins in a row, they can still dominate Origin for years to come, I believe. Um, they came from a, a game behind last year, and, and that is their task once again to win this series. Um, and Fittler will have to be to start to be taken with some real respect, I believe, at least as coach, if he does do it this year. Um, even if there is a, a changing of the guard with Queensland. All right, I'm going to let you off the leash here, Miles. Is Fittler <laughs> done as a, if if Fittler is done as a if if New South Wales don't get the job done against this Queensland squad, is he done? Well, I've, I have already said a lot of what I wanted to say earlier on, but I'm happy to go off the leash again. And and Kieran, I'll. I'll speak to what you said first you're right he does deserve to be taken seriously if he turns this around but i'm not the kind of person to bet against wayne bennett two games in a row so uh that's kind of my thoughts about the rest of the series um <laughs> but yeah, look i think we need to remember as i sort of alluded to earlier we need to remember that 
his team was barely good enough to win last year, and that was against a, a far better, uh, albeit not well as coached, uh, Queensland outfit than this year's. So, I think it's become, I think it's become clear that Brad Fittler can't coach. He's he's only just outwitted Kevin Walters last year, as I said, which says very little for his coaching credentials. And and Wayne Bennett's running rings around him this year, so he's he's going down the. And, and this is what's interesting to me is that he's going down the exact same sort of both selection and coaching path as as Laurie Daly, who was, I think we need to remember, he was loved throughout the state in his first few series, especially that when he beat Queensland. So I think if he can't come up with a series win this year, which I don't think he will, he, he does have to go. And I think he, his little uh, 17 of favourite players that he picks each week, I think it needs to go even sooner than the end of the series, which I've, I've alluded to as well. And I think that if they do lose this game, then it will be fitless head and hell if... If we lose this game and he doesn't change up the team again massively for game three, then that's all you need to all you need to know. I was just thinking uh, while you were both talking about the trends in coaching, particularly representative coaching, and there's two schools of thought as to what makes a successful origin coach, and a lot of it comes down to and you think about some of the most memorable series. Uh, victories. You think of 1995, Queensland pull out this absolute bullshit team, really. And they pull out a bullshit coach in Paul Vorton. And he manages to win 3-0. And then they lost the next year once both teams got their gun players back. Uh, Vorton was also the coach of that. Vorton was also the coach in 1997 during the uh, ARL Super League split. Uh, and they put out probably their worst team ever that year, Queensland. And they went within a whisker of winning that series as well. So Vorton, not a known strategist or tactician, but uh, certainly has Maroon blood uh, and certainly has a lot of experience at the level as a player and a lot of passion and seemed to make a pretty good fist of coaching. Uh, you know, Mal Meninga went on that massive big uh, stretch. Obviously, he had a pretty good squad uh, to work with. But, you know, credit has to go to Mal Meninga as well. And he seems to have done a really good job as the Australian coach also. Again, another good squad compared to other weaker squads. But he seems to have this aura about him which encourages players to play their best football for him. But he couldn't manage that at Canberra Raiders when he was coached there. And we know that he loves the Raiders. Now, there have been... Um, multitude of different coaches throughout the years for New South Wales uh, and it depends really like sometimes they'll go with a guy like Phil Gould who was quite a successful New South Wales coach more of a tactician not that spectacular a player himself Craig Bellamy the same uh, although he didn't do that well at origin level but he's one of the greatest coaches of the modern era uh, more successful coaches in recent years for New South Wales have been guys like Laurie Daly and Brad Fittler who were the two best 5 of the 90s, those two blokes. So is it better to have a tactician like Wayne Bennett, who was, you know, he, he toured with Australia in the 1970s, but he wasn't a world beater as a player. He was a winger. Just this random winger that was pretty good from Queensland. Got a game for, uh, for Australia in a tour match, and that's about it. Never played a test. Or Brad Fittler, one of the greatest players of the modern era, but maybe not as accomplished a coach. Kieran, do you think there's a better way to choose your coach out of those two, whether you want to have someone with the aura or you want the tactician? 
Um, I, if I didn't follow sport, I, I think you would have to say the the guy with the uh, aura, um, the guy that's played the sport that has played better. But I have to say the tactician. Um, and I have to speak to game one where in the first half I thought the Blues didn't really bring the game to us when we weren't at our best, which was really peculiar that they weren't really relentless, which is what you're supposed to be doing in Origin. And then in the second half, when Queensland actually clicked into gear, they still weren't able to to kind of kick into gear and, and get out of that. And maybe they weren't able to get out of that funk because they didn't take us serious enough in the first half. But I put that down to Fittler and not being a, a good enough tactician. Um, and then you talk about the way Wayne Bennett um, switched this game after half time with his tactics. Um, he really simplified it. You could see that we clearly just wanted to get upfield, kick the ball down, keep them in, in their own half. And it completely changed the game, and we won a game that hardly anyone gave us a chance of winning. So I think you definitely want the tactician. With the benefit of hindsight, it appears that Wayne Bennett and Queensland were essentially playing rope-a-dope with, with New South Wales. They were just like taking the punches, taking the punches. Okay, all right. Where's the chink in the armor? There it is, that left side. Let's give some monster bang, right? Mm-hmm. So... Miles, you're a tactically minded person. I assume that you are very much on the same side as, as Kieran on that issue. Well, I do think it's horses for courses. And in Brad Fittler's case, he's chosen a team of players who are too young to know how to win a state of origin game without being shown how to. And he's not showing them how to do that. And he's not, as as we say, putting the the tactical framework around them to help them win. So I think this team needs a, a far better tactician as a, as a head coach. And that's what Ivan Cleary is in Penrith. He, he, he is one of the, the game's best thinkers. He's, as we've seen in numerous other stops, he's certainly not uh, a people person or that's not his, uh, his, his cornerstone um, craft is, is being a people person. He's, he's gotten up, he's rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way and he's, in his NRL journey, but he's a fantastic tactician. And that's why the part of the reason why the Panthers won 17 games in a row. And I, I dare I say, I think if Ivan Cleary was coaching the state of origin team, it would be a, a bit of a no contest because as inspiring a guy as Wayne Bennett is to play for that, it should still be said that the Maroons nearly lost this game and they might have if uh, a pretty poor refereeing decision went the, the blues way. So it's still not a great team that, that Wayne Bennett has. They're playing great football, but that doesn't mean that they're unbeatable. And I think if any other any other coach was coaching this team, Freddie might still be looking like the genius he looked like a few years ago. But he's not, and and Wayne Bennett is uh, has got Freddie right where he wants him. And I think this New South Wales team it needs a different coach. Either Brad Fittler needs to select a different team, or New South Wales needs to select another coach. Very interesting. I I think you're being a little bit unfair on Ivan Cleary's people skills. I mean, just ask Josh Mansour, uh, who was who was recent, recently sat Josh. down. You're going. Yeah. Any questions? <laughs> he was recently sat down for a coffee with his coach. He probably assumed he was getting an upgrade on his contract after featuring in a in a grand final, and uh, he's been told he's been playing reserve grade. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? But. You know, that strike rate for Charlie Stane's got to get him in there. Um, okay, so I, I agree with both of you. I, I, I think I think uh, my personal preference is a tactician. I like to have a tactician in there. And with the best tacticians, 
in the sport. They do have an aura. A guy like Wayne Bennett does have an aura. Uh, a guy like Craig Bellamy does have an aura. The best players in the game want to play for those guys because they have a proven track record because they're brilliant tacticians and man managers. So I, uh, I, I, I certainly think that Queensland have the rub of the green when it comes to coaching ability. And that can give you that extra 10% that they need. Uh, and if New South Wales are down on performance again this Wednesday, yeah, it could be all on for sure. Thank you both very much for your thoughts on that. Let's jump into our tips for game two. Uh, we can tip with our head and also with our heart, of course. Uh, we all know the heart's answers. Uh, Miles, you'll be tipping New South Wales with your heart. But do you think New South Wales will get this job done, logically speaking? Look, I I have no idea about this game, admittedly. Uh, I think Brad Fittler could pr- totally prove me wrong and, and turn around this clearly very talented team on a acute enough angle to actually win game two at home, or, or he could get totally beaten on the whiteboard again by Wayne Bennett like he was last game. So as we've established, he's chosen an, an almost identical team, which I think while staggering should give no one any rational cause for hope. <laughs> uh, I, I, in fact, I actually asked Bo that very question, Bo, you might remember, off off air a, a few days ago, and you basically replied with... the basic, You basically just replied with faith. And so mm. that's, that's kind of all I've got. But uh, look, something still... Something still tells me that New South Wales will win at home, and I, I, I honestly, I can't tell if it's my head or my heart. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's my heart, but I try to think with my heart, uh, my head, as much as I can. So, look, whatever it is, I'm following it. I'm following it through, and I'm, I'm going to tip the Blues by ten again. Believe it or not, Blues by ten again. Okay, thank you, Miles. Kieran, obviously, again, with your heart, uh, the Maroons, but like your brother, Owen, are you going for a 49-39 to 39 victory? <laughs> Not quite. Uh, maybe 49-38, one less field goal. Um, but <laughs> I've got I've got to say uh, I'm a little worried about Kirk Capewell. We've touched on before um, how he'll go defensively again. I think Fittler will surely at least pick that up, and Valentine Holmes at the back for the Cowboys this season wasn't great defensively, so that... I know he'll he'll want to step up in origin uh, in the origin arena, but it, it, the sh- Blues will surely break our line a few times and, and have a few more trick plays up their sleeve this match. If they're targeting Valentine Holmes and Kurt Capewell, I'm uh, a little worried. Um, in saying that, I, I think it'll be a, a close game. I, I don't see the Blues running away with it. I think, uh, especially the way our, our halves control that second half, I think that will really hold us in good stead. But I, I'm tipping two close games with... Uh, Two, yeah. Sorry, uh, I've got the Queensland women winning, um, but I've got the New South men, uh, New South Wales men winning on Wednesday. Interesting. Uh, I think New South Wales will also get the job done. I think we saw enough evidence from Queensland that they're going to come out with a lot of spirit, especially early in the game, like they did last week. I, I, I think, as you said, uh, Cherry Evans, Munster, friend, they offer a lot of control. Uh, around around the game plan. Uh, so whatever game plan is asked of them, they're probably going to be able to execute it and have done before at this level, as recently as last week. So uh, I would expect that Queensland will turn in a good performance for their abilities, but I just can't see how New South Wales lose this one from home. And it's worth remembering, by the way, that Queensland, that both teams scored three tries. 
Now, one of New South Wales's tries was unlucky. Oh, sorry, lucky with uh, Damien Cook getting a rebound into his arms. But it is worth remembering that they just defended for about ten minutes straight on their own line, and then just marched down ninety-five meters for him to score. So there's an element of luck, but not really. They earned that luck. And then there was two tries where they stripped the Maroons comfortably on the Maroons' left edge. Uh, for Adokar to cross. Meanwhile, for the Maroons' three tries, you've got two really, really bad missed tackles with one, which is one-on-one missed tackles from centers, uh, or make makeshift centers, if you will, and a lucky bounce, as Miles, you pointed out, uh, from Capewell's kick, and a really, really bad error from Daniel Tupo trying to pop a stupid offload uh, in the middle of the field. And that was it. That was the three tries. So if New South Wales tighten up their game, which I expect they will. And I think their selections is part of that. Not having a utility like Cody Walker on the bench and opting for really solid citizens like Yeo, Brown, and Finucane to come into the side, I think it tells me that, yes, the Blues are probably going to play into the Maroons' hands a little bit by really centralizing their game game plan and simplifying it, but it's probably going to also reduce those bad errors like those bad misses in defense or those bad offloads in the middle of the field, albeit all three of those did come from outside backs, but that's beside the point. I think the Blues will get the job done, but I think it will be close. Where I didn't expect the first game to be close, I do expect this one to be much closer. Thank you, guys. Um, Let's talk very briefly about the uh, women's origin game, the Harley Norman uh, State of Origin series for them on Friday night at the Sunshine Coast. Uh, the New South Wales have a little bit of a streak going on here, but they've made a couple of very interesting selections with Kira Dibb and Maddie Studden, who were their starting halves the last couple of years, particularly last year, and they both were actually uh, in the Merit uh, squad for the Gillaroos uh, last year. They've both been dumped from the New South Wales squad, which I, I find a very, very interesting decision. Um, but in the in the Queensland ranks, they've got a person like... Ali Brickenshaw, who had a tremendous year for the NRLW Brisbane Broncos. Uh, they've also got a player like Brittany Braley, who did not play for the Broncos this year. She didn't play any of the NRLW. She was unavailable, but she is a very fine player, uh, a former award winner. They bring a player like Tarrant Aiken into the side as well. Uh, Katrina Brown, a, a hero. Uh, Chelsea Leonard Doozy up front, who... Uh, was a Gillaroos merit player last year. Uh, they also have Steph Hancock, who played for the uh, much maligned Dragons, but she was a big part of the Maroons' dynasty uh, when they won something like 15 series in a row. Uh, she was their captain during that period, so she's an experienced player who knows how to get the job done. Um, outside of looking in, and yes, probably speaking a little bit with my heart, but I just don't see the Blues being able to get the job done. Yes, they have some great players. They've got Kezi Apps. They've got Isabel Kelly, both of them returning from injury. They've got Corbin McGregor, the Roosters captain. They have uh, both of the Parker girls for the Roosters. They've got Jessica Surges from the Dragons. Millie Boyle, who had a really good year for the Broncos, including quite a memorable uh, runaway try uh, for the front rower. And then, of course, Taufa from uh, the roosters up front they've got a very 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 good side but i'm going to go for the maroons in this one uh kieran you've also mentioned you're going to go for the maroons miles who are you going to go for definitely the blues <laughs> yeah you've got to get some blues love in there somewhere <laughs> hat trick. 
Shanice Parker hat trick. Oh, I yeah. like that. I like that. Actually, let's much. give her four tries. <laughs> <laughs> Blues to Blues to run away with it. Forty uh, nine. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> right, like, like if Owen is like slightly off, like as in like got the wrong game, but it was still forty nine thirty nine and the wrong team. I'm gonna pay it, and I'm gonna start calling him the Oracle from now on. Uh, <laughs> And that is a bold prediction, by the way, from Owen. And let's come up with some of our own, guys. I'm going to come up with one for the men's game. I do think New South Wales will win. And I think it's going to be on the back of a more settled and simplified game plan uh, to really suit uh, Cleary's low-error game style. So I expect that New South Wales will win, but they are going to have a completion rate of at least 85% and a tackle efficiency of at least 90%. So they fell short of both of those marks last week. They were pretty close in the tackle efficiency, but they were well off in the completion rate, about 10% off. So I'm expecting both of those to lift with the squad they've chosen. And that is my bold prediction. Miles, what is yours? Well, as you guys would have heard, I, I didn't even think enough of Clinton Gunson's Game 1 performance to select him again in my personal team. But I think if he's the leader that we think he is and that he's shown to be throughout the NRL season, he'll have he'll have heard the calls in the, the seven games since... Seven days, rather, since Game 1. And I think he'll stand up. And so I think he'll turn in a, a two-try performance to lead New South Wales to victory and prove himself as a likely full-time captain for the side in the future. I quite like that prediction, and I imagine it's somewhat born of the fact that while Kurt Capel had some really great moments, if he plays at left centre, he is a defensive weakness if he's not like uh, able to get his hands on the player. He lacks a little bit of speed there, and he does carry that left hamstring injury. Yep. If Dane Gagai moves to left centre to Mark Gutherson, does that make you worried about your ball prediction? Um, look, it's a bold prediction, Bo, so I'm going to back it either way. <laughs> Good on you. And Kieran, what is yours? Uh, you two went with a, a bit more sort of methodical, even if they, they are bold predictions. Um, I've kind of just thrown out any logic at all and kind of gone Owen style. I've got a forward will score the first and last try in this match. Oh, I love it. Yes, uh, I love I, it. and I do love a, a forward try a la Carl Webb. Uh, in that famous origin try in the left corner uh, with the cue seared into his head. Uh, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, no, fantastic. So uh, do you have, uh, without going on the record, do you have any uh, potential prospects there, do you think? Uh, looking at the team list, probably I'll say Jaden Sewer for Queensland and oh, Frizzell for New South Wales. Oh, I do like a, a Tyson Frizzell try. They're usually yeah, that's good choices. Yeah, they're they're usually bustling, bustling tries uh, from Tyson Frizzell. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Enjoy your state of origin viewing experiences. As always, go the Maroons. <laughs> go the Maroons. Through gritted teeth, go the blues. <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. 
your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.